Welcome to the Acknowledge of Everything. I am Rosie. I am Hope. Happy holiday season, Rosie. Happy holiday season, Hope. You want to introduce our guest? Dr. Mommy's back on our first recurring guest. Pew, 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 pew. Uh, we've had, haven't we had Ryan on twice? Our first lady recurring guest. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Yay! Like to say hello. Hello. Okay. Um, I am also, I have a cold. I don't have COVID. I got tested many, many times, but I sound disgusting, but I'm fine. I promise. We've all been tested and we all got tested, but we uh, tried to record this episode last Christmas and the audio didn't work. So now we're trying it again. We'll see if uh, this works. So Dr. Mummy, would you like to take away the history of Krambus? Well, I didn't know if you wanted to ask a question first or you just wanted me to ramble on. Well, how are you? I How's, your Christmas? How's your Christmas going as of about two minutes ago? It's going great <laughs> because I got some help with the Christmas present. Mm-hmm. That makes me super happy. Okay. Well, um, Nice. Any questions, Rosie? Oh, I was going to say, I'm glad that you said that you didn't have COVID because I think we all forget that there's anything else to get now. <laughs> and so I was a little bit concerned when I heard your voice. So I'm glad it, you uh... It turns out you can still get regular cold. And yeah, flu. you can still get cold and flu. But it, I would much rather have regular cold and flu because yeah. the viz is not fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought of a question Go. whenever you panicked and asked if I... I panic when you asked if I had a question. Okay. So there's lots of people talk about how a lot of Christmas or like Christian holiday traditions started with pagan mm-hmm. origins. Mm-hmm. Would you like to speak on that a little bit? So one of the things you can say, not only about Christmas and Easter, but most, most, not all, but, but many uh, religious holidays in the Christian calendar um, is that they co-opted extant uh, pagan practices. And people see that as um, somehow invalidating either the holidays of Christianity or both. And the reality is if you are a religion and you are making inroads into a culture that is not your own, um, this is just a really um, appropriate or easy way to say, yes, you uh, Romans, you presumably have been celebrating Saturnalia or Sol Invictus, um, this uh, worship of an uh, S-U-N God uh, in English, Sol in Latin. Um, You've been worshiping this deity and in fact, without knowing it, so goes the Christian evangelist uh, to whom you might be speaking, you unwittingly, unknowingly have been worshiping the one true God, who is the um, uh, S-O-N, not S-U-N, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, but various language games there going on. And, and in some way, validating those practices and saying, as a way to say, we are not imposing upon you something completely different and odd, and you've got to change everything about you, rather if you only knew your own traditions better, you would know that in fact, what you're worshiping is the Christian God. And so the move this direction will not be that uh, life altering for you, although it is altering in in many ways in the culture out of which it arose because Christianity expected things like uh, 
constancy in marriage and no adultery and, and various other things that were regularly practiced uh, in the ancient context. But it's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's an entirely acceptable way for you to uh, go into a new area. Now, clearly there have been times in Christian history um, where missionaries have gone in and wholesale rejected the culture of the indigenous people and imposed a Christian culture upon it. And that mm-hmm. usually has not gone very well. Um, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and has created many, many bad feelings, which uh, some of those colonial feelings are still with us to this day. So um, knowing that there is a way to do this that does not threaten, but in fact encourages people of belief is a really good way to go. So when people say, well, Christmas is just, right, this pagan tradition of the Romans and they Christianized it and somehow it's bastardized. And in fact, it is not. It is basically a celebration. If you, if you want to think of it this way, it's a celebration of the fact that the sun will return one day. And so you celebrate uh, that SUN, uh, Saturnalia or Sol Invictus, um, on a day somewhere between the 21st of December and the 25th, because this is when the sun, these are the shortest days in the year, uh, light-wise, greatest period of darkness. And it's actually a festival of great hope that the, that the SUN will return, um, that spring will come. So it's this very hopeful sort of thing. And I think that carries over in Christmas to this day that Yes, it's a lot of merrymaking and and spending way too much money and traveling to family and things like that. But those are all very hopeful things. You don't go to visit your family at Christmas time um, out of despair. Well, maybe some people do. I mean, they're hopefully not. (laughs) Hopefully not. I mean, certainly there are people who um, for whom the holidays are a time of great despair. Um, but the intention behind holidays like Christmas, like Easter, is to show the hope of a new day, the hope of life. Um, and so that's why the nativity story is one of great hope, the idea of a star, many of the symbols associated with Christmas. Um, they're all very hopeful things. So, so that sort of carries on you into this day in the way that people in the West celebrate Christmas. So where does Hanukkah fall in that? In truth, Hanukkah is a very minor holiday. Uh, Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah too, the fall uh, holidays are much, those are the really high holy days. Is that Uh, the new year? Yeah, it's a day of atonement in the new year. And um, those are the, the feasts, festivals, holidays, I guess you would say, in the Jewish calendar that really um, demand participation in a synagogue or at your temple to go and, and participate in those days. Hanukkah was always a relatively minor holiday. Um, and the gift giving over eight days was, you know, they were meant to be small kind of memento sort, memento sort of things, not, you know, oh, here, we bought you a car, honey, or something mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that. It has morphed into that because of its contact primarily with Western, uh, primarily American culture, where Christmas has become far more commercialized. I mean, and 
you know, you can almost anticipate this on social media or in advertising, that people start to lament the fact that after Labor Day, if you go into Home Depot or to Lowe's, they've already got Christmas trees up. They've already got Christmas lights up. It's like, we don't even get past Halloween now, and we've already started the cycle for Christmas. Um, and so like that Christmas season that used to be, I would say, even as recent as maybe 50 years ago, um, Christmas was maybe the month of December, maybe. Um, and a lot of kids when I was growing up didn't get Christmas trees till like the week before. Um, the idea that you would put your Christmas tree up the day after Thanksgiving, just that would have been weird. <laughs> you just didn't do that. And so I, it, I think it's a combination of advertising um, and, and American capitalistic culture where we have more uh, expendable wealth. I don't want to get into economic arguments, but I mean, people are willing to spend more money on Christmas now than they were when I was a kid. Um, and so advertisers have a longer period of time to, uh, to advertise this stuff. So the Christmas now is, I think one could say it's three months long, if in fact it starts at the beginning of October or mid-September. Um, and under that, you have this Hanukkah holiday, which falls somewhere in December and celebrates the Jews uh, who are uh, under siege. They're hiding in the temple. They only have oil for one night and it lasts for eight. And they eventually, uh, the Maccabees realize a, a great victory. And so you light the candle for eight nights to show that God's uh, presence was with them and that they persevered. Again, another one of these kind of very hopeful holidays, but it's not tied to Saturnalia or anything like that. It, it's its own thing, it, but it falls usually in December. Because it falls close to Christmas, my guess would be, and I know there's some scholarship out there about this, but my, my sense is that it was in, it's nothing more than in response to the overwhelming uh, growth of TV advertising and businesses advertising Christmas earlier and earlier and with greater uh, aplomb, I guess, that the Jewish community, in some ways, Jewish parents were trying to create for their children uh, a response to the question of, why don't we do this, mommy? Why don't mm -hmm. we have mm -hmm. these sorts of things? Why um, doesn't Santa come to our house? Well, well I, I do know some fairly, I wouldn't call them religious Jews, they're more secular Jews, have things called a Hanukkah bush, which that's a wink and a nod, you know, towards a Christmas yeah. tree. And it's also possible to have a Christmas tree and not be the least bit religious, either Christian or Jewish. You can, in fact, say, I just like this. I just like having this symbol in my home. Um, and it doesn't have to mean anything more than that. It's got lights and it looks pretty. That's, that is correct. Yeah. Well, and I don't know about the community where you live, Rose, but I know around us, there are houses where I know they have a tree up year round. They, because you can see the lights, you know, in July, <laughs> walking past <laughs> someone's house. So clearly this has become normative in a way that it wasn't when I was a kid. Um, you know, I've been to homes and I'm sure you know people like this. They have a Christmas tree in every room. They have, Rosie was just telling us that she did a Christmas with a themed tree. So you can have 
you know, a tree in every room, what could be blue, what could be yellow, right? And you can do all sorts of things with it. Um, so it's become very, uh, kind of a creative outlet. And if you are a crafty person at all, and you go to craft stores, come August, September, they, I mean, rightfully so, they've already got the Christmas crafting out because you need to do that far enough ahead. But it continues, they continue to have Christmas craft stuff throughout the year. And it, it's just this permeation of the culture with this holiday that for uh, people, I think in the United States primarily, it has become just this huge, huge event um, where in England, Boxer Day, which is the day after Christmas, is equal to, if not in sometimes a greater holiday for them. Um, Isn't and in, that in Canada too? They do I think so, Day? yeah. Well, they were, they are, uh, they were colonized as the British Empire. Um, yeah, so, so those kinds of symbols and those kinds of things have, they have a really interesting half-life because they, in many ways they've moved beyond their religious roots and become just part of American parlance of, of what it is to, to do these things, so. Does it? So you are, you identify as a religious person. Mm -hmm. And so you talk about, so when you were little, they, your parents put up the tree on Christmas Eve Christmas after Eve. you guys went to bed. Right. And they had gone to midnight mass. But, but here's the funny thing about that. So they would, you know, we little kids would go to bed, whatever we did, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock, whatever. And they would put up the tree, decorate the tree, put the train, right? We had to have the electric train around the tree. And then they went to church. They got a babysitter while we were asleep to go to church. And then they would tell us in the morning that Santa brought the tree, which is this weird conflation of a secular and a religious Why would they tell symbol. You that? I don't know because they Why Santa sends up your tree. Yeah, because that's what Santa does. Well, <laughs> if you ever see the Grinch movies, I mean that's one of the things he steals is a tree. And it's mm -hmm. like that's he's the inverse of Santa, right? Because he's stealing the Christmas trees. Why would he need to steal a tree unless Santa <laughs> will bring it, right? So I mean everybody knows that the Grinch is the best movie all year round, not just during <laughs> the Christmas. That season. is correct. That's that a great correct. movie. So I'm wondering, you kind of watched the commercialism grow yeah. mm -hmm. since you were little. And so technically, I think the Christmas season starts on Black Friday. So we get done giving thanks for all the stuff that we have. People go out and murder each other at the stores immediately. All night. Yes. Yes. And then they spend the season talking about, I'm talking very generally about right. a very specific right. group of people. Right. Not all Christians are conservatives. I know that, but not all Americans are Christian either. Also true. And yes. talking about keeping the Christ in Christmas, but like you knowing the Bible mm -hmm. in a very scholarly way mm -hmm. and having studied this kind of stuff, like, and thinking about how that's not what Jesus said. Like, <laughs> this is not anything that he preached and how those two things are. Christmas is its own religion now. Outside of it's Christianity. A, yeah, it's its own secular movement. Yes. Does yes. that bother you? Oh, it doesn't bother me. I, I, um, it's always interesting to observe um, because there are two nativity stories in the New Testament and they don't match at all. And they get smooshed together as if it's the same thing. And the Gospel of Matthew has a particular narrative about the birth of Jesus to tell 
And the Gospel of Luke has a very different uh, narrative to tell. Um, and both of these stories are in interesting for a bunch of reasons. And if I carry on too much, kind of just let we me know. We brought you on here to carry on. Um, so. <laughs> so you get a genealogy in Matthew mm -hmm. um, that talks about uh, the generations that get you to Jesus. You have a genealogy in Luke that talks about the generations that get you to Jesus. Matthew's genealogy um, starts with Abraham and goes down. Well, who is Abraham? He's the father of the, of the Jews, of the Jewish nation. So Matthew, right off the bat, is telling you that this is the story of the promised Messiah. How do you know that? Because he comes from Abraham, right? Mm -hmm. So he's following that very particular sort of Israelite to Jewish line. Luke, uh, his uh, genealogy goes back to Adam. Mm. Doesn't go to Abraham, goes to Adam. And it tell, it's telling you something about what Luke is saying. What the gospel of Luke is trying to tell you is, is that Jesus is the Messiah for everyone because we are all from Adam. We're not all from Abraham, right? The Jews came from Abraham. But this, so he has in his own time what's considered a message for the Gentiles, for the non-Jews. Luke, 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 okay. He has uh, a message for the non-Jews by saying, first of all, Gentiles don't have a concept of a Messiah. That's a very, that, that's promised in the prophecy in the Old Testament. Um, so Matthew, let's go to Matthew, right? He's, his is called the most Jewish gospel. Okay. And he is in, intending to tell the story of how this guy was the, um, the son of God. He was the promised Messiah come to uh, save the Jews. And because of this, the message is going to go out to all the nations. So that's, but in particular, Matthew is trying to say, if you know these Old Testament prophecies, and if you know what they promised about a Messiah, I'm going to show you how this guy is it, because he does what's called proof texting. He will say, this was done as it was prophesied, and he'll give you the Old Testament prophecy. Mm. This was done to fulfill this, and he'll give you the prophecy. So the book of Matthew is really point for point. He's trying to say, if you know this thing in the Old Testament, then you have to know who this guy Jesus is. And he does it very effectively. Gospel of Luke, very different. It's not clear that Luke knows what Matthew has written. It's not clear that he knows what Mark has written. But he starts his gospel by saying, you've heard many things and I'm here to correct it. So he very much has an agenda with respect to saying, I got the, I got the poop and I'm going to tell you what's going on. <laughs> you can swear on this podcast. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> well, I don't think Luke would say anything but poop. I won't tell anybody who swore. <laughs> so, so Luke has the story of uh, the census. There's a, a great census went out. And uh, Mary was espoused to Joseph mm -hmm. um, and the angel appeared to her and said, uh, hey there, how you doing? Um, say, <laughs> that's, a <myth. laughs> yeah, that's a modern gloss on it. But basically says, you know, uh, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, right? You, are you going to enter into this? Thing. And she says, I am the handmaid of the Lord, do unto me as you will. And at that point, 
the spirit enters her ear, which mm. if you know anything, or if you ever see medieval tapestries or uh, images, paintings, um, uh, illustrated uh, manuscripts of any sort, you will often see Mary, uh, she looks like just a young woman, and there will be a dove somewhere nearby, and there'll be like dotted lines going from the dove to her ear, and that is the Holy Spirit impregnating her through her through ear, ear, through her ear, because she heard, she heard the angel Gabriel yeah. say, do you enter in? And it's through the hearing that she receives the blessing, which is they, they left that part out of the preschool nativity. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no reason to go into that. I don't know how we would have done that. No, either. I don't. Some angel kind of hanging yeah. out there, some dove, right? <laughs> With an arrow going, she's working right in the yeah. air. So if you ever see medieval imagery and you see something going that looks like a dove nearby or near her ear, that's what it is. The Holy Spirit impregnating her. So she remains uh, ever virgin. Um which is a, an important trope. Um, it's a religious trope. And that perpetual virginity tells you less about Mary because she's simply the vessel. It's about the baby that she's going to bear, that, that kind of miraculous virginity. There's uh, various narratives in Islam as well um, that, um, gosh, one of the grandsons of uh, Muhammad, his name escapes me right now, is born from uh, Muhammad's daughter as a birth. It's another virgin birth. And that virgin birth is a religious trope. And I'm not trying to say it's not true because these things, rationally, you can't make that make sense, right? Rationally, mm. that doesn't work. But when you're talking about religious symbolism, what you have to do is move into not irrational, but non-rational thinking. You have to move into a realm of truth that is outside the rational, the verifiable, the credible, because if religion was rational, credible, and verifiable, everybody would be religious, right? Mm -hmm. We live in a world that where we have been so very much impacted by enlightenment thinking that says, unless I can touch it, feel it, see it, weigh it, taste it, yes. it's not real for me. And what sacred scripture, like the Bible, like the Quran, like some of these other texts, what they're saying is, we don't, that's not the world we live in. We are sharing with you truths that require a higher order of spiritual thinking. Um, and that's not a dodge. It's not like I'm playing fast and loose with these things. In a lot of um, non-Western cultures, the understanding is, is that kind of spiritual mystical insight is not only a gift, it is a higher order of thinking and only certain people can do that. Um, and so that's why the story of Mary's virginity is an important religious symbol because it's telling you the birth of this child, this boy, he is going to be special. So that's Luke, he has the Magi, he has the star, he has the manger, you know, shepherds, all that kind of stuff. There's no room at the end. There's no room at the end, right. <laughs> Matthew, the Jewish gospel, has um, the story of uh, Herod trying to kill the little boys, right? Oh, yeah. You, you know, that um, 
Do you know this one, Rosie? I want to make sure I get this right. It rings a bell. It rings a bell. Um, I just want to make sure. I can't remember. No, I know there's a census. Can, can I have something real quick while I have yeah. you here? Yeah. I have memories of you coming into my preschool and telling these stories. Did they ask you to do that? Yes, they did. Or did you volunteer no, to come in asked. and tell these stories? They asked. They asked me to come in. That's okay. It was at a church, so that's um, kind of appropriate. So there were astrologers who came from the East, and um, they went to the court of Herod and said, hey, we heard this like really special baby's born. Can you tell me, tell us where he is? And he's like... I don't know, but when you find out, y'all should let me know too. And then the, <laughs> hit a brother up, hit a brother up, right? Um, and then the uh, the magi, the men, uh, find where Jesus is, and they're like, "Yeah, don't go back and tell Herod because he's like seriously going to try and kill this kid." Um, and so Herod is mad, and um, uh. They, they don't go back. They, flood, they flee into Egypt and, and uh, through a dream, Joseph is told to take Mary and the baby and go into Egypt. And this reproduces in part the larger narrative in the Old Testament of the Israelites in bondage in Egypt. You have to go to Ooh. Egypt to be saved by God again. So Joseph and Mary go to Egypt. They're there for a while. Another dream. God says, all right, Y'all can go back home, but don't go back to your home. Go to Nazareth. Go live there. And so they cross over the Jordan again, and there they go back to their home. So one of the things Matthew is doing is this very elegant sort of retelling of Old Testament history through the life of Jesus, and he does it very effectively. But this long, shaggy dog story is basically my way of saying you've got two nativity stories in uh, the first four books excuse me, of the New Testament, they don't line up. They don't tell the same story, but that's okay. Because they each, anybody who's ever done writing or tried to tell a story, you know, at a family Christmas dinner, seems apropos, you know, Hope might say, well, I remember this event this way. And Rosie might say, I was there, but it didn't happen that way. It happened this way. And that's sort of what you've got going on in the gospel accounts. Hope's a liar. Oh, yes. no. <laughs> you know, I have a friend who recently got into a fight with uh, his sister because they remembered an event uh, growing up very, very differently. And the sister said to my friend, your truth is wrong. <laughs> and, I, and I thought that, you know, that's that's what people sometimes do with some of these stories uh, about Christmas or various other religious stories. They're like, well, tell me what, which really happened, which is really true. And the answer is yes, right? Yes, it happened this way. And yes, it's true. But it's like they don't tell the same story in the same way that, again, sitting around the table, three people can watch one event and tell it very differently. Mm -hmm. So that's some of what's going on there. But <laughs> there's no Christmas tree, uh, no lights except for the star in the sky. Uh, none of the things that we now associate with Christmas. Go ahead. Well, Rosie and I, we did a Christmas Carol episode a couple weeks ago, and we talked about that. And she was talking about how Victoria and her German husband, Albert, brought mm -hmm. over a bunch of bunch of it German traditions. Correct. That's where we get the tree from, I think, with the lights on. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. a bunch of other stuff. So and I'm actually, sure that probably came from somewhere else as well. So it's like kind of a telephone game from like where the Christmas tree came yeah. from. But yeah. It, yeah, but I believe it came to the U.S. from England and it came from to England from Germany through Prince Albert. Yes. So actually, America invented nothing. So what? Cele- America invented <laughs> none of the things we celebrate. I guess the elf on the shelf. That we would invented be- Black Friday for sure. <laughs> the elf on the shelf. Uh, and we yep. invented the Grinch. The Grinch. <laughs> yeah, but but those those Germanic ties are really fascinating because some of them actually go back to Scandinavia. Um, and I was reading something recently, and you guys might have talked about this, but the the idea of kissing under the mistletoe. Mm-hmm. Mistletoe in German means dung branch. Oh, gross. Because the only way you get mistletoe is that the birds eat the seeds and then poop them out. And that's... So, <laughs> so I would not kiss... So romantic. Can you, poop, you kiss me under the poop branch? The poop branch. Yeah, that's basically what that is. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I thought, oh, if people knew that, probably not. But, but a lot of the things um, associated with Christmas actually have a symbolic value that ties into religious narratives. I don't think most people care about that. I truly don't, at least in, in commercial American culture. I mean, the whole idea of a wreath, right, is this round, circular, uh, infinity, right, life goes on kind of thing, and you make it out of pine, pine branches, which stay evergreen. Again, you go back to this uh, pagan feast uh, celebrating return that the sun will return one day, right? So evergreens are an, a sign of that because they stay green all the time. Um, so, you know, some of those things can tie in. Um, I don't know if you guys talked about this, the candy cane. The, so the history of the candy cane is, and I'm sure this is an apocryphal story. I, I don't was, know this. I was told that the candy canes are actually a J for Jesus. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> that would be no. Uh, well, it could be. And, and if, that, if that's what you want, that's okay. That's, that's not what I wanted. I was like, I won't put this in my mouth. I don't want to think about Jesus <laughs> yeah. while I'm... I, I just assumed <laughs> that they were made in that shape in order to hang on a tree. Yeah, probably. So my my understanding is that this was, speaking of Germanic, this was a German choir master, uh, 1600s, 1700s, somewhere around there. And to keep the kids quiet in church, he fashioned this candy. The red was for the blood of Jesus and the white is for, you know, forgiveness, eternal life. And he twisted them together and gave them the kids in the church so they would be quiet during these very, very long trips. the kids or... sugar to yeah. keep them quiet. <laughs> yeah. So and I... also the red is for the blood of Jesus. Yeah. So it is J for Jesus. It is J for Jesus. Out. Yeah, and so I think you might be right. I think the J eventually was to hang them on a Christmas tree. But, but originally they had nothing to do with Christmas as far as I know. So now it may have been Christmas service when he gave these out, I don't remember. But nevertheless, there you go. That's what that is. But you know, you, you... go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask, in early Christianity, was Christmas as big a holiday as, say, Easter? No. Because I feel like no. we talked about that the last yeah. time we tried to do that. Yeah. No, the bigger holiday um, in uh, Eastern Christianity, Orthodoxy, and Eastern Catholicism, it's called uh, Theophany. Um, and it, it's the, uh, the appearance of, um, well, actually... 
and in the West it was called Twelfth Night. It's twelve days after uh, the Epiphany, Epiphanos. It's the uh, appearance uh, or the transfiguration, uh, you know, of, of Christ again. So Twelfth Night was actually the bigger holiday because you would have from Christmas twelve days you would have party, 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 and then that Ooh. was that was actually the big holiday. It was Twelfth Night. Ooh. Um, and in uh, some cultures, that's still the case. That's still the bigger holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, cr- Christmas was very minor. Uh, again, it usually meant you had to go to church. Um, uh, and people didn't have luxury time. They didn't have lux- They didn't have um, expendable cash for things. So, you know, Christmas became... It became what it is today because people have, or don't have, but think they have, uh, luxury goods, love, money to spend on luxury goods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in previous iterations, centuries ago, generations ago, it might be you got a pair of socks, you might have got an orange, uh, you might have got a spiced orange, a spiced orange, <laughs> right? You might have got, you know your mom made you a new sweater. Uh, it just, it wasn't, it had more of a homespun feel to us for us sitting here in the 21st century. Um, I'm not sure it necessarily had that feeling then, but you knew that uh, families uh, pulled their meager savings together to make it nice. Um, yeah. And, um, and that is not necessarily the case now so much well I think you give a very nice homespun feel and you always make Christmas a big deal we try we try but it um it's it was not a major holiday uh in European culture um but you're right the uh Victoria and Albert king and queen of England from about 1848 she died I think in 1904 1906 um, it, it was a big deal. And he brought a lot of these Germanic uh, customs over, like putting lights on the tree, putting a star at the top, the star to, to represent the star in the east by which the wise men were guided to the place where uh, Jesus was born, symbolized that the lights were the, you know, the light mm-hmm. of faith, all of that sort of thing. Um, and he he and Victoria, and you may have already talked about this, so I hope I don't repeat what you said, but they were very interested in creating this narrative of the domestic family as a domestic church, right? So that they symbolized through their own family the way family was supposed to be. And a lot of this had to do with the fact that Albert very much was, he was very family oriented um, and wanted to model what he felt culture, you know, British culture should adopt. And in many ways, it was very successful, you know, it became this idea of keeping home and hearth for wife and family. And um, the wife, you know, was the one who uh, cared for the domestic fire and he came home, you know, some of these tropes Mm -hmm. that we now think are a little tired. Um, But Christmas became one of these unifying moments where the family uh, gathered. They were supposed to gather. They were supposed to do family type things. 
And I don't think before Victoria and Albert that it had that kind of stress before. It was a religious holiday. It was not. Well, they had a lot of kids, too. They had a crap ton of kids. So why is that, Mom? (laughs) Well, she liked sex. Yeah. Yeah. We watched the PBS thing about Victoria and Albert, and that's all you said throughout the whole thing. She goes, she doesn't care about any of these kids. She just wants to keep getting into bed with him. Yes, you did. Yeah, that's I, all I think you the, said. I think the historical context that I've heard is that, uh, yeah, is that she didn't necessarily love being a mother, but they couldn't keep their hands off each other. And, uh, yeah, and they had a lot of kids. And if you've seen pictures of them, glad they found each other, mom. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus can hear you and so can Santa sorry so can Santa Um, so when did when did Santa come into it so I have heard this I don't I I would need to do do more research to find out if this is true but I I heard that um, Santa really took off as a concept uh, because of Coca-Cola that Coca-Cola had this uh, advertising campaign uh, I think in the early 1900s and one of their, you know, marketing people was tasked with developing, you know, this character, this image. And it's the first time you see this jolly guy in this red and white suit and there's a kid there. Um, and that's where my understanding, and, and I could be wrong, um, that it was in many ways, it was a marketing ploy. Um, mm-hmm. In the same way that I think Mother's Day has become something like that. It, it's just a, a reason <laughs> you know, for you to go day, buy something or go to brunch. Um, but that uh, the, the actual St. Nicholas is a, he's huge in the Christian East. St. Nicholas Day is uh, December 6th. Um, and in Eastern Orthodoxy and Eastern Catholicism, that's really the big holiday. Uh, even if you live in America, though, you're still going to celebrate Christmas. But the idea was that you would leave your shoes outside your door uh, on the night of November 5th, going into the 6th. And when you got up November in the morning, or December? December, did I say November? November. December. It's Guy Fox Day. Yeah, no, December 6th. <laughs> the Guy Fox comes in and uh, yeah. takes your shoes. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, no, you leave your shoes out there. When you get up in the morning, there would be gifts in your shoes. And those were from St. Nicholas. And because we're talking about shoes, you know, you're not getting a stereo system. It's, you know, whatever. It was small. It was the idea that St. Nicholas came yeah. by and, and visited you in this sort of way. Um, St. Nicholas in the Christianese, St. Nicholas of Myra, which is in Turkey, um, was just this Christian warrior who was martyred for his faith and is one of the patron, large patron saints in Eastern uh Christianity. Um, and at some point, St. Nicholas and Santa Claus got morphed into the same mm-hmm. character. I don't know if that happened with the Coca-Cola ad or if that came over time, but at some point they became kind of the same, at least in Western uh, culture, uh, in a way that if uh, people actually knew the, the story of the original St. Nicholas of Myra, like he does a pretty terrible death, like it's not the same but it's just you know it's that kind of intellectual shorthand that we do to make things easier for people so um, and the little boy he has with him is not a little white boy what are you talking about 
in I think it there's a comedian that talks about it. she married someone from Holland okay and they're talking about this Saint Nick guy or like this Christmas guy that comes around he has a little dark-skinned boy with oh him. yeah yeah well David Sedaris does a piece on this mm-hmm. that, Is that um, Michelle Buteau maybe yeah you're talking yeah, yeah. About? yeah yeah six day black men he couldn't get so David Sedaris tells the story he's in a uh, cab I think in Holland or somewhere in the Netherlands and he always to get to know people likes to ask about Christmas you know, their Christmas holidays. And this guy was talking about like, well, a couple of black guys come and they may kidnap you. They may beat you or they might leave gifts for you. And he's like, can you nail this down for me? He's like, no, not really. It's, it's kind of, and he was in, um, I guess in Spain somewhere. And they said, Santa speaks Spanish. He was like, Santa does not speak Spanish. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, he does a whole thing about, uh, about various Christmas holidays, but the six to eight black men who might come and beat you up, <laughs> he, he finds very amusing. Coca-Cola invented Santa. I think Santa might have been out there, but it wasn't well defined. I, I think that, yeah, I think Santa was out there before Coca Cola. I think they capitalized on that yeah. idea. Yeah, but well, I did you say that. Mm-hmm. The so the the reason I think that uh, I I think Santa was around before that, and I I should have looked into it a little bit more, but um, I believe there's an English tradition where Santa wears green, like a green and white suit, rather than red and white. <laughs> oh. And I, I saw recently, um, so there's, um, there's a show on, oh, I know in the, the U.S. it airs on like Masterpiece and PBS, I think, but, um, but it's uh, a new version of All Creatures Great and Small, which is based oh, yeah. on, um, it's based on the books that, that a country that wrote about his experiences. And so they made, they had made a show of it a while back. They made a new one. The new one's really, really good. Yeah. Um, but uh, in that the uh, older vet that he's like training under or is assisting or whatever is at one point dressed up as St. Nicholas and, or St. Nicholas or Santa Claus. And someone mentions like, shouldn't you have a red suit? And he gets all offended. He's like, no, (laughs) Santa wears green. So I think that there is some sort of Santa Claus tradition that was out there that was mixed with St. Nicholas that was uh, a guy who wore green and gave gifts to kids. But yeah. I think definitely the commercialization helped it kind of spread yeah. everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially American culture. That character is Scottish. I wonder if that's the Scottish tradition. And uh, just to be different from Britain, yeah, James Harriet's Scottish. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. James Harriet's Scottish. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It might be we're going to be green because Brits do red. Who knows? Um, well, I think the guy, version. the Siegfried was, is the one who's saying it, that he's wearing green and he's English. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. But so much for that. at any rate, yeah. yeah. Chris and I right now are talking about whether or not we want to do Santa Claus with the, our, our little one coming up. We've got a while to, to figure it out, but we, I, I'm sure you've read everything on about this, but a lot of what parents are doing now is that the little um gifts are from santa okay and the big gifts are from yeah. mom and dad so that one of our other kids are like why didn't santa bring me an mm-hmm. xbox or this barbie or whatever it could be like well my mom and dad got this santa got me other stuff yeah it, it, it's become very competitive and that's a shame um and and it's i you know i don't know that there's a way out uh, you know, if you're a Jehovah's Witness, you don't even celebrate Christmas, right? And there are various religious groups that just say, we don't sell, celebrate any of these holidays. 
because they're based, their roots are pagan and therefore we want no parts of them. It's like, well, okay, but I don't know how you raise a child in a world where there's all this acquisitive, this, you know, getting of so much stuff. Uh, I think it would be hard. And, and, and I'm saying this not to say you should or should not celebrate Christmas. Um, I mean, when my kids were little, we did not have a lot of disposable income. So I, I know there were kids who got way more than you guys got. It was never like we didn't have a Christmas morning. Yeah, yeah, no, but you know, it's- You're it, pretty happy with Barbies. Yeah, or, or brats, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it, de- it depends upon your students on the culture around you and one's ability to say, this is what this day means to us. Like for us, Christmas was always about family, like hanging out with family, doing family stuff. And the gifts were great. Um, and each kid maybe got one big gift, mm-hmm. uh, but a bunch of little things. Yeah. Um, and it, but it's hard. I mean, you live, if you live in an affluent area and, you know, kids get gifted things like trips to Disney. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't I don't know where the Jesus story Disney shows up, but nevertheless. Disney loves Christmas. Oh, really? They, okay. So here's some insider info. Go. There's, so. Disney decorates for Halloween and like fall around August and the night. So October 31st, to November 1st, there's a whole overnight crew that transforms it into Christmas time. They take down like the whole park and there's so much and it's all like way too much. So you walk in the next day and now it's Christmas time, like legit Christmas. They start doing like Christmas parades and stuff. How long Disney's do they live it nuts. up? How long do they live it up? Probably, probably through the new year, I would assume. Disney's crazy. Anyway, but it's very pretty. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I, I think it's, I found it at times hard to, um, it, it's hard. It's hard to live in a culture where there's so much. And even if one has the means to do it, I still wouldn't want to do all that. Um, and yeah, so I, I, you know, think about it because there's a way to do it to do it well um, without it being <laughs> bank busting. Um, uh, you know, I know people have discussions now about even if they're going to do the Santa Claus thing, they're just going to say, you know, mommy and daddy did this. This is just Christmas. This is yeah. We don't need- yeah, that's that's what we're talking about because Chris and I both love Christmas. And so we're, we're talking about, you know, do we want to say this came from Santa or whatever? And before he he seemed to think that he wouldn't want to do santa claus and i was kind of with him on that about like you know you know make sure they don't ruin it for anyone else and we can still like (laughs) play pretend and whatever but that we won't keep the secret about it but now that the baby's actually on its way he's like "Mm, i don't know so (laughs) (laughs) just just don't make your kid go sit on santa's lap that always creeped me out i thought that was the silliest thing but santa coming around on a fire truck was pretty dope yeah in our neighborhood santa comes along (laughs) on a fire truck and he throws candy at kids that was pretty that's pretty cool yeah Yeah. but still scary like none of the kids wanted to go up and sit in the stranger's lap but yeah um yeah those christmas pictures i don't understand being a, a religious scholar and being a mom mm-hmm. and also you're your own person mm-hmm. what now do you think is your favorite part of Christmas? It, it's the same um that it was when you guys were little just 
being able to see you guys enjoy Christmas, right? Thinking, you know, so we're Jews every Christmas. We get up, uh, we open presents, we eat a big brunch, we take a big nap, and then we go to the movies and we go out and eat Asian food. Um, it's great. It, it's the <laughs> best day. But when you guys were little, it was, it was hard because everybody wanted to see you on Christmas Day. So we had three sets of grandparents because my parents were divorced and it was exhausting for your dad and me and Christmas really didn't become enjoyable until we said, this is how we're going to do Christmas. When Christmas Eve was for in-laws. Yeah. Christmas Eve. And then like the 20, because I mean, people, I think people realize this Christmas is actually from Christmas Eve till new year's day. You have all that time in there to see people like you don't have to see everyone on Christmas day. Mm -hmm. And until we could do that, Christmas is just exhausting. And you guys were cranky. It's like you're dragging kids from house to house and hoping they sleep in the car and they don't. And, and then you'd, we'd have to wear the outfits that people got yes, for us. Yes, you would have to put on the outfit that someone bought you, <laughs> even if you hated it. So that, that's when Christmas becomes a real slog. So if you can, it, you know, once your dad and I could say, you know, we're having Christmas Day by ourselves. We'll see you the 24th or someday in between there. And that's great. And it was great because every time they went to somebody's house, they got to see a new tree and there were presents there. You guys didn't care. Yeah. Um, so uh, so that those those kinds of things where you make your own traditions um, and whether they're churchly or not. I think that's I think that's when a holiday like Christmas, where there's a lot of pressure, becomes more enjoyable. I like that after presents, we make a really nice brunch Mm -hmm. and we're all in our pajamas Mm -hmm. and eating off the nicest china we own. (laughs) Like this very nice handed down pine cone painted china. And we have the crystal glasses out and we're having that fake wine Mm -hmm. from Giant Eagle, the grape (laughs) juice. And we're in our PJs. (laughs) Just having brunch. (laughs) Don't care. Don't care. But, you know, it, it, um, but as somebody who's having a baby, you're going to want to make it nice because what you want to see is that child just light up, right? When they yeah. see a tree, they see lights, they see presents. And the truth is, by the time Christmas runs, rolls around next year, she's going to be more interested in the boxes and the wrapping oh, than anything. <laughs> that's, they're like a kitten at that age. <laughs> they really don't care. Didn't Faith knock over the tree her first Christmas? Because she did. She did. She was, you know, <laughs> these things happen. It's okay. But but that, you know, Christmas means different things in different stages of your life. And once you become a parent, you're I, at least this is true for me. I shouldn't generalize. I would I didn't I was less concerned about presents that I got you just love the joy of seeing little kids just enjoying that day <laughs> and having fun and that that's what makes it a great day um it wasn't a good day if somebody was really mad about what they got but honestly that didn't happen but or if somebody was sick if somebody was sick yeah but no it that that there's enough emotion in Christmas to keep you going till the next year and you say I just want to do this again Faith and Grace have cried so many times at Christmas yes they have but it was because they liked what they got I cried at Christmas when I got a KitchenAid because of who I am as a person do you remember that that was only like three years ago yeah I do I was like I got a KitchenAid I'm an adult 
we got Grace Lady Gaga tickets and she her dissolved. and yes. Just, <laughs> and then when she got Harley Quinn booth or checks or something, she was like, <laughs> Don't sad. look at me. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that. Faith also cries whenever dad gives you a good present and you're like, this is very nice of Faith's like <laughs> she's always oh my god, wait, hold on, stop. I think I told this story last time. Okay. For people who live in the Pittsburgh area, you know about the Eaton Park commercial with the tree and the star when it can't get up. I made Rosie watch this last mm-hmm. time. And my Aunt Jen cries every time she sees that. And when we were in high school, we were at Eaton Park and one of the servers had the tree commercialized a shirt and we were like, where'd you get that? And she was like, you have to go to McKnight. And we're like, I guess we're going to McKnight after this. And we gave it to her and she was like, I love this shirt. This is the best shirt. Aww. Yeah. So, but anyways, just by way of wrapping up at least my thoughts about this. Um, I, I think Christmas is a great holiday. I think it can be a great holiday if people remember for themselves what it means for them. And if they reflect, you know, if their childhood memories are not great, then you make new ones. And if your childhood memories were great, you don't have to recreate the, the same thing. Um, it's being with the people you love and doing the things you love. And, um, you know, if you don't like to cook, go out. Don't stay home. Um, we don't. I like to cook, but I still like going out. <laughs> I like not doing dishes on yeah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's religious. And I have to say the religious services that one can go to in a Christian church around Christmas are universally beautiful. Um, normally because there's a large choral component and they're singing probably many of the songs that most Americans would associate with Christmas and they're done well. It's not the schlocky, you know, music that you hear in in the shopping centers. I mean, it's really well done. It's very lovely. You don't want to hear Mariah Carey in church? I know I do not. (laughs) Um, Or Jose Feliciano or anyone else. Um, But, but if you go again, if you're not, one of my dearest friends is Jewish and we always go to listen to Handel's Messiah at a church in well, pre-COVID nearby, um, they do an hour and a half of just choral music and it's lovely. Um, so if, if you're not a church person, if you're not a religious person, but you like the music, go for the choral part. That that alone to me uh, sets the tone and makes for a really nice Christmas. I do appreciate that we are not a Christmas music household. No. We never have been. <laughs> don't want to be. No. And we're a Christmas starts after Thanksgiving. No. The family. No. In fact, I think I was in Home Depot. And again, it was in early October. They already had really bad Christmas music on. And I said to the woman checking me out, I said, are you sick of this already? She said, I cannot take this for another two months. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just the really bad. Shout out stuff. to the retail workers who have to listen to Christmas yeah. music. Or go into work on December 26th, which cannot be fun. Or on Black Friday. Or on Black Friday. Yeah, yeah I don't know which is worse, but yeah. St. Stephen's Day is December 26th. What's so that? That's the day that Stephen was martyred. He's the first Christian martyr. Wow. Stoned to death for his faith. So fun. <laughs> fun, yeah. I think I'm, as far as the Christmas music goes, I think I'm a little bit... Uh, not deaf to it it just doesn't really register as much anymore because chris listens to so much christmas music and starts pretty early is that right chris yeah chris's name is short for christmas 
he no, loves it's not. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> he does love Christmas. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. But see, that's nice for you because yeah. you can make a really nice holiday for Christmas yeah. for, your, for your child. And that'll be nice. Just yeah. Baby Cousin O'Brien. Baby Cousin O'Brien. That is correct. Yeah. So if we do a Christmas one next year, we'll have to have Christmas baby here. Baby. <laughs> Baby. Well, baby. Yeah, but I'm excited. All right. I had yeah, a shout out. She's been kicking me the whole time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, mm, I'll shout out you, Mom. Thanks for coming on. Thanks and for asking. Having nice Krampuses. I don't think I said as much as I said last time. So I apologize if it's not as. Well, no one's going to know. <laughs> yeah. No one's heard that one, no including one us, because it was unlistenable. <laughs> it was gone. Okay. Yeah. Well, we have to do it again. Sophia. Well, Mom, what are your plans for Christmas this year? What are you doing? My plans for Christmas this year are to hang with my fam after church on Christmas Eve, uh-huh. get up, open presents, have a big brunch, take a hard nap. Go eat, go watch a movie at a regular theater and go eat Chinese. Although um, with the Omicron virus, they may not have movie theaters going. Theaters going so fingers crossed. We're just going to have to watch something on the TV then, I guess. So be it. We do have HBO Max. And there we go. What about you, Rosie? Well, we are, yeah, so right now we're at our at Chris's parents' house with uh, with our kitties, um, who we brought on the nine-hour drive um, or eight-hour drive, whatever it was. Um, the first hour was very eventful. Um, <laughs> we had to had to stop and clean up a mess, and oh. Ad- Ad- Admiral was out of sorts, but then she got better. And uh, Horatio was okay the whole time. He was just like not sure what was going on and wanted to wedge himself under my seat, so he stayed there a lot of the time. But uh, yeah, anyway, so we're out here with them probably going to leave the kitties at chris's parents house um because we'll be going kind of back and forth um but they're only going to be gone for like one overnight i think and so that'll be good but on um on chris uh possibly tomorrow possibly the next day we'll head out to chris's sister's house um she and her husband and kids have a little uh farm with a whole bunch of animals and uh, we'll go hang out with them and they're getting they're getting to the age where they're like almost not little kids anymore they're pretty <laughs> they're, big they're like 11 and 12 they they are homeschooled so they're not quite like too cool for a lot of the stuff yeah. yet so they're, i think that we have a little bit like especially because for chris like a big part of Christmas is hanging out with his niece and nephew because he's wanted to be a dad for so long that I think like getting to hang out with them mm-hmm. was like kind of a quasi <laughs> that, you know, experience of kind of like being a parent at Christmas, but you only get the fun parts. Um, so, um, so we're, it was important to us to go hang out with them for a while and we will going to go do that. And uh, I think I'm going to teach them how to make marshmallow uh because i've given them some in the past and they really liked it and so yeah i'll probably do that and then christmas day chris's parents will be around we'll be there and i think we will all probably give the kids a bunch of presents and you know give each other some presents and hang out and have some pretty good food um a lot of the food that we end up having is usually 
produced on their farm because they have chickens for eggs Ooh. they have they, they raise pigs they raise oh, wow. there's there's usually rabbits they raise rabbits there's uh there might be a goose who knows there's a whole bunch of stuff because they have yeah they, they raise animals for for meat so there's usually a really good selection of different stuff they have there and then also the vegetables that they'd harvested earlier and got frozen so well now yeah. i'm hungry i don't know about you <laughs> yeah we'll have some good food some good family time play some games and that'll be pretty nice yeah. last christmas just the two of you yeah and then then we'll have like a month and then have a baby so Yay. that's wonderful yeah and I, I plan to take lots of naps <laughs> i am um, I'm going to do that anyway, but yeah, <laughs> good practice. Uh, this is my last, I finished my last semester before my internship starts for a year. So <gasps> but I did, I think I, I got uh, all A's this semester, but grades are still coming in. So I could have biffed it. We we'll don't see. know. Fingers crossed. You think you don't get all A's. It's it. not biffing it. Yeah. <laughs> Mom. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for inviting yeah. me. All right. Well, do you have a you have a sign off ready? Happy Christmas and a great New Year. Hell yeah. All right. All right. I'm I'm Rosie and facts matter. I'm hope and now Merry Christmas. No better, be better. Happy holidays or Saturnalia or winter season, whatever you celebrate. Okay, bye. Bye.